Good evening, this is Pamela, and you are listening to Watchmen on the Pod. We are going to continue in our book reading of Billy Graham and His Friends by Dr. Kathy Burns, and this is part four of chapter three. Evie Hill and Graham. One minister who belongs to Southern Christian Leadership Conference is Evie Hill. Martin Luther King Jr. was his very close friend. In spite of the affiliations of these men, Billy Graham has used them in various situations. Graham writes in his own autobiography, quote, One night, civil rights leader, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., whom I was pleased to count a friend, gave an eloquent opening prayer at the service. He also came at my invitation to one of our team retreats during the crusade to help us understand the racial situation in America more fully, unquote. In 1984, E. V. Hill endorsed Jesse Jackson for the Democratic nomination for president. He was also a speaker at Billy Graham's Amsterdam 1983 conference and was listed as a speaker for Billy Graham's 1992 School of Evangelism in Wheaton, Illinois. Additionally, he is on the board of directors of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, BGEA. If Hill serves on Billy Graham's board of directors, <coughs> it would be profitable to know more about him. Hill is the black pastor of the Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church in the Watts section of Los Angeles. Quote, his church is affiliated with the National Baptist Convention, which is a part of the National Council of Churches. His doctor's degree, or at least one of them, is from Oral Roberts University in 1985. Dr. Hill <clears throat> has a strange list of credentials. The Fundamental Information Service Bulletin for September 15, 1982, quoted the Wheaton College Bulletin for March 1977 as stating that Dr. Hill was on the Billy Graham Association Board of Directors, the Board of the Los Angeles Urban League, and the Los Angeles NAACP, unquote. Christian Life for March 1982 indicated that Dr. Hill appeared with Reverend Jesse Jackson at a campus crusade-sponsored conference in Chicago called Chicago 81. Hill has been a promise keeper speaker, and he also was a big supporter of the Reverend Henry Lyons, the former president of the National Baptist Convention. Lyons has been shown to be an adulterer, liar, and thief. Yet Hill promoted him. The July 2000 issue of Charisma showed a picture of Hill with false prophet Benny Hinn. Hill was the speaker of Hinn's August mission for the new Millennium Conference. <clears throat> Below is an eyewitness account by someone who attended the North American Congress on the Holy Spirit and the World Evangelization from July 22 to July 26, 1987, where E.V. Hill was also a speaker. He, he reports, quote, Now consider this. E.V. Hill sat for about two and a half hours before he actually got up to speak. 
What did he see and hear? He listened to the loud babble of tongues during the worship times and the unspeakable confusing time of holy shouting. He heard rock music as loud as at a secular rock concert, watched the dancing girls of the drama teams, heard prophecies which were delivered in the first person as from Jesus Christ himself, heard a woman, Roman Catholic, preach about growing in the fullness of salvation, and halos and icons and St. Xavier, watched Catholic Kevin Ranagon and Pentecostal Vincent Snine hug each other twice and speak how wonderful it is for Catholics and Pentecostals to finally get together. For more than two hours, Hill looked out over a crowd of 35,000, half of which were Catholics. After this experience, E.V. Hill walked up to the podium and said what? What should a man say after experiencing such things? A man who claims to be a fundamental Bible believer. A man who speaks in fundamental Baptist churches. If he were a prophet of God, he would have plenty to say, and it wouldn't have been music to the ears of those creating this doctrinal confusion. But what did he say? Hill stood for a moment, calmly looking around, then said, Wow, if you're not on fire by now, your wood is wet. If your bell isn't ringing, your clapper is broken. Unquote. No wonder Jerry Huffman could state that left-wing social Action promoter Hill apparently has never seen an ecumenical forum he didn't like, be it charismatic, Catholic, NCC, or promise keepers. Billy Graham's staff. It should be profitable to look at a few others who serve on Billy Graham's staff. William M. Watson <clears throat> excuse me, was the director of BGEA. He, quote, is a Freemason and is also president of Occidental Petroleum Corporation. Chairman of Occidental was Armand Hammer. Watson is also a member of the Development Council of the Masonic-run Baylor University. He also was a member of the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, which had at least three Freemasons on its board of trustees and likely more. Another director of the BGEA was David M. McConnell. He is a Freemason. He was also U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, 1968 to 1969. Business associate with Illuminatus Charles Gambrell and Belk Stores of Charlotte, North Carolina. Author Lee Mallory was the co-chairman of the Billy Graham Crusade Advisory Committee for the St. Louis Crusade in 1973. He is a 32nd degree Mason. Also, an interesting tidbit is that for the 1992 Portland, Oregon Billy Graham Crusade, only Shriner clowns were allowed to perform. To become a Shriner, a person must first be a 32nd degree Mason. There were other clowns available, but they were not, not allowed to perform. That seems quite odd, doesn't it? Is Graham subtly trying to get a message across? E.V. Hill, as previously mentioned, belonged to the Communistic Southern Christian Leadership Conference. This is the same Southern Christian Leadership Conference which sponsored the 1993 Gay Rights March on Washington. This march was also sponsored by the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People 
NAACP, another group to which Hill belongs. Remember, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference is connected to Highlander Folk School, and Highlander was founded by Miles Horton, who had been a student at Union Theological Seminary, and Niebuhr had been his teacher. Reinhold Niebuhr, socialism more than his theology, has influenced the thinking of thousands of Protestant clergymen. From Niebuhr's Fabian socialism to Harry Ward's Marxism has been an easy step for many of the students and graduates of Union Theological Seminary. I note in passing that 504 faculty members, students and graduates of the seminary, have had affiliations with Communist Front Enterprises. Arnold Johnson, one of the convicted so-called second-string Communist Party leaders, is a graduate of Union Theological Seminary, class of 1932, and a prodigy of Harry Ward. No wonder that Niebuhr was among those who were members of the National Committee to Abolish the House Un-American Activities Committee, which was a group trying to expose communist activities. Some other members of this group were Dr. John C. Bennett, National Council of Churches, Martin Luther King, Carl Braden, Dr. John A. McKay, James A. Dombrowski, and Linus Pauling. Of course, Niebuhr's theology is a far cry from fundamentalism. He denies the inerrancy of the Bible. He calls the creation story in Genesis and the resurrection a myth. He also denies the virgin birth of Christ. Niebuhr remarked, quote, My view is that the virgin birth doesn't make a bit of difference. I can't get angry at anybody for holding it. But on the other hand, I certainly don't hold it myself, unquote. U-N-E-S-C-O. Niebuhr was a co-founder of U-N-E-S-C-O. U-N-E-S-C-O is an organization trying to influence our children to accept a world government. Julian Huxley, former director of U-N-E-S-C-O and 1962 Humanist of the Year, was an atheistic philosopher, a member of the communistic colonial colonial Bureau of the British Fabian Society, and a signer of the Humanist Manifesto. In 1948, Huxley wrote, quote, In its education program, UNESCO, can stress the ultimate need for world political unity and familiarize all peoples with the implication of the transfer of full sovereignty from separate nations to a world organization. Political unification and some sort of world government will be required. Tasks for the media division of UNESCO will be DLC to promote the growth of a common outlook shared by all nations and cultures to help the em emergence of a single world culture. Even though it is quite true that any radical eugenic policy will be for many years politically and psychologically impossible. It will be important for UNESCO to see that the eugenic problem is examined with the greatest care and that the public mind is informed of the issues at stake so that much so that much that now is unthinkable may at least become thinkable. UN E.S.C.O.'s own material explains 
if UNESCO is attacked on the grounds that it is helping to prepare the world's people for world government, then it is an error to burst forth with apologetic statements and denials. Let us face it. The job of UNESCO is to help create and promote the elements of world citizenship. When faced with a, such a charge, let us by all means affirm it from the house tops. Unquote. Quote, Huxley angered some American officials, officials by pointing communist and communist sympathizers in key posts. For example, the chief of the Soviet Ministry of Education served as an earlier director of UNESCO's secondary education department. Furthermore, according to Huxley, UNESCO would assist in the process of values clarification on a global level because none of the religious traditions was adequate to the needs of a world government. A new world morality would have to be summoned into existence and it would be UNESCO's task to do the summonsing. It will be one of the major tasks of the philosophy division of UNESCO to stimulate the quest for a re reinstatement of morality that shall be in harmony with modern knowledge and adapted to the fresh functions imposed on ethics by the world of today. Instilling this new world morality in school children would be UNESCO's most important task, unquote. Contraceptives for Minors Under Huxley's guidance, the United Nations prepared a guidebook for teachers. This guidebook reminds them that the destruction of a child's love of country and patriotism is the first step in educating that child for world citizenship. For more information on UNESCO, see my book entitled A One World Order is Coming. Neighbor, UNESCO's co-founder even signed a PSYCUS, which is a S-I-E-C-U-S ad, which appeared in October 16, 1969 issue of New York Times. PSYCUS stands for Sex Information and Education Council of the United States. This group promotes extensive sex education in schools. PSYCUS, S-I-E-C-U-S, position statements reveal the following, quote, It is the position of S-I-E-C-U-S that contraceptive services should be available to all, including minors who should enjoy the same rights of free and independent access to contraceptive care as do others. It is the position of S-I-E-C-U-S, that the use of explicit sexual materials, sometimes referred to as pornography, can serve a variety of important needs in the lives of countless individuals, unquote. Perhaps it isn't surprising to find out that the Playboy Foundation granted the initial seed money for S-I-E-C-U-S. For more information on S-I-E-C-U-S, see my book, Masonic and Occult Symbols Illustrated. How does Billy Graham feel about Reinhold Niebuhr? In Graham's booklet, Evangelism and the Church Today, he writes, quote, The great theologians of today are Rudolf Bultmann, 
Carl Barth, Emil Brunner, Reinhard Neuber, Paul Tellick, and Carl Henry. Unquote. This booklet was sent to Los Angeles ministers prior to Graham's crusade in that area. Brunner denied the infallibility inspiration of holy the infallible inspiration of Holy Scripture and many other cardinal doctrines. Yet Graham writes, quote, When I was in Zurich with Emil Brunner, whose stature as a theologian was next to Barth's, he was warm, friendly, and supportive. Unquote. Brunner's and Barth's theology quote, was variously called neo-orthodoxy, dialectical theology, the theology of paradox, crisis, or despair. In America, where it was called Christian existentialism, existentialism, <laughs> I can't say that word, or Christian realism, 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 okay. Its foremost exponents were and are Reinhold Neumuller, John C. Bennett, Paul Tillich, Robert Colquhoun, and William M. Horton. Bruner, Barth, and Neubauer were all speakers at the World Council of Churches, which is covered in the next chapter. Bruner, in fact, was one of the founders of the WCC. Paul Tillich. Paul Tillich was a modernist who did not believe in the virgin birth, the sinless life, and the bodily resurrection of Christ. Since his death, Tillich's second wife has written a book telling about his illicit relationships with his secretary and other women who came to him for counseling. A former student of Tillich's <clears throat> has written a book that tells of Tillich's immoral relationship with his student's fiance. Yet, according to Graham, men like Tillich and Neuberer are great theologians. As a great theologian, Tillich should be familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 10, which warns, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Tulik, too, was a professor of Union Theological Seminary from 1933 to 1955. In 1985, William Martin received a letter from Billy Graham asking him to write a book about Graham's life. In this very favorable book, A Prophet with Honor, the Billy Graham story, we find, quote, as a further sign he was veering to the left, Graham began to accept invitations to speak at liberal seminaries. At Colgate Rochester Divinity School, he attempted to bridge the difference between his own theology and that of the eminent neo-Orthodox theologian and social critic, Reinhold Niebuhr. When he spoke of the central need for a personal experience of Jesus Christ, he added as if they were synonymous conceptions or what Niebuhr would call an encounter with the living God. A fundamentalist reporting on this event objected that no one is in his right mind would believe for a moment that what the neo-Orthodox Nebur means by an encounter with the living God and what Jesus Christ defined as being born again are one and the same. 
at New York's Union Theological Seminary, Graham had the timidity to say kind words about known liberals, including his old friend Chuck Templeton, who was then serving as an evangelist for the National Council of Churches. To make matters worse, he had invited some prominent American liberals, including New York pastor John Sutherland Bunnell, who publicly acknowledged that he did not believe in the Trinity, the virgin birth, the resurrection, and the inerrancy of Scripture or heaven and hell, to sit on his platform with him. During some of the service at Calvin Hall, oh, during the some of the services at Calvin Hall, when Scottish reporters spectrum he declared, oh, I'm sorry, let me stop there. I jumped the line. I'm so sorry. When Scottish reporters tried to pin down Graham's location on the contemporary spectrum, he declared in a statement that mightily offended his conservative critics, quote, I am neither a fundamentalist nor a modernist. To make matters worse, he told another reporter, the ecumenical movement has broadened my viewpoint, and I recognize now that God has his people in all churches. Unquote. John Sutherland Bunnell. Was Graham aware of Bunnell's viewpoint? One researcher reveals this. Quote, John Sutherland Bunnell, pastor of the Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City, wrote an article that was published in Look, March 23, 1954, magazine. He stated in this article that it was not necessary for a Presbyterian minister to believe in the virgin birth. Graham knew about the article and professed to a friend that he was offended by it. However, later on, when he held his New York crusade, Bunnell was on the executive committee and was honored by Graham on the platform of the crusade. Not only did the Look article reveal that Bunnell did not believe in the virgin birth, but it stated that Bunnell did not believe in the inspiration of scripture or a literal heaven and hell. He said that he and most other Presbyterians do not conceive of heaven as a place with gates of pearls and streets of gold, nor do they think of hell as a place where the souls of condemned are punished in fire and brimstone. In another article, when asked if Presbyterians believe in the resurrection, Bunnell suggests, but then he went on to explain, with few exceptions. Presbyterians do not interpret the phrase in the Apostle Creed, the resurrection of the body, as meaning the physical body. In other words, he does not believe in a literal bodily resurrection, which the Bible clearly teaches. Graham was well aware of Bunnell and his beliefs, yet he had used Bunnell twice on his platform, once in Scotland in 1955 and in New York in 1957, both events which occurred after Bunnell's article appeared in Look. In fact, Graham writes the following in his autobiography. Quote, Before the meetings in Scotland in 1955 began, I was to address a gathering of clergy, theological professors, and theological students. That was a bit intimidating. I asked Dr. John Sutherland Bunnell, the distinguished Scottish-born pastor of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York, to accompany me. As he looked over the crowd, he leaned over and whispered, This is probably the greatest gathering of theological minds in modern Scottish history. That didn't help me relax, unquote. 
David Martin Lloyd-Jones met with Graham and talked with him for about three hours in 1963 and discussed the issue of Graham using a known liberal, John Sutherland Bunnell. In response, quote, Graham replied that he could have more fellowship with Bunnell than with a number of evangelicals, unquote. As just mentioned, Graham bragged that the ecumenical movement has broadened my viewpoint, and I recognize now that God has his people in all churches. At the Madison Square Garden Crusade in 1957, quote, Graham honored Dr. Robert J. McCracken, Fosdick's successor at Riverside Church, by having him sit on the platform and having him lead in prayer before the crusade audience. Yet, McCracken is an infidel like Fosdick and does not believe in the virgin birth, the blood atonement, Christ's bodily resurrection, or the inspiration of the Bible, unquote. Stan Mooneyham. Stan Mooneyham was a Billy Graham Evangel Evangelistic Association executive. Mooneyham was divorced and remarried and was survived by both of his wives at his death in 1991. He was head of the National Association of Evangelicals, NAE, was on the board of directors for the liberal organization, Bread for the World, and held a position in the Evangelical Press Association, and was also a former president of World Vision. Quote, The March 1981 issue of World Vision magazine featured an extensive lead article on Mother Teresa. The June-July 1984 issue of World Vision magazine included a glowing account of a visit with Mother Teresa by Joseph Ryan, director of World Vision's Northwest Regional Office. World Vision has given thousands of dollars to Mother Teresa. Mooneyham has appeared on television appealing for $10,000 from Mother Teresa. The proceeds for the Jesus 81 rally at Anaheim Stadium in Los Angeles went to Mother Teresa's Indian work. In Chapter 8, we will look closer at Mother Teresa and her beliefs. Mooneyham Mooneyham wrote a book entitled, What Do You Say to a Hungry World? Although he has long enjoyed great prominence in the Christian world, his book advocates much of the political program of the New Agers. Mooneyham says, quote, Now, another theme, population, that's a touchy one. No one likes to be told how many little feet can patter around in his own house. But just that is the big question. How many feet per square foot can this world support? If you see this program as critical where you live, then it would be profitable to investigate the availability of family planning services in your community. Press for adequate facilities if necessary. Insist on open forum discussion on birth control, abortion, artificial insemination, genetic control, and death control in your church or club program. Some of these subjects, unfortunately, seem to be outside of the orbit of evangelical Christian concern. Unquote. Condom distribution. Since Mooneyham was head of the NAE and the World Relief, WR, is an arm of the NAE, it's no surprise to see that the WR is involved in condom distribution. According to March, 1920, I mean, March 28, 1998, issue of World, we find, quote, 
World Relief receives more than 60% of its overseas budget from Uncle Sam and helps advance Washington's family planning objectives. The article stated this raises a hard question. What role does condom distribution play in the fulfillment of the Great Commission? A WR official says his agency is involved in sterilization of women and all forms of family planning. But WR officials in the U.S. say the only contraceptive that World Relief makes available to women is the condom. The lure of government funds can be a diversive snare, unquote. Also in Mooningham's book, we find that he favors a one-world government. He quotes Julius Nareer of Tanzania with approval. Unfortunately, there is no world government which would tax the rich nations for the benefit of the poor nations. There is no international equivalent of Social Security payments. Instead, we have an acknowledgement of the need for international aid. He also called for an international Joseph with an international plan, unquote. Similarly, or similarly, in the Alice Bailey books and Tibetan predictions, Mooneyham recommends a turning inward combined with revolution changes, revolutionary changes in the present world order. He approvingly quotes Mahab al-Haq, a senior economic advisor at the World Bank, as follows. The developing countries have no choice but to turn inwards, much the same as communist China, and to adopt a different style on life, seeking a, consum a consumption pattern more consistent with their own poverty, pots and pans and bicycles and simple consumption habits, without being seduced by the lifestyles of the rich. This requires a redefinition of economic and social objectives, which is of privileged groups and vested interests, which may only be achieved through revolutions rather than through an evolutionary change. This is strong medicine, but he is not the only one prescribing it. Of course, since Mooneyham promotes New Age methods, it should come as no surprise to see him approvingly quoting several New Agers. But why would Billy Graham have him on his executive committee? A Spiritual United Nations One interfaith organization is called the Temple of Understanding. The World Goodwill Newsletter states, quote, Founded by Juliette Hollister in 1960, the Temple of Understanding has as one of its goals the creation of a spiritual United Nations. In its work to promote understanding between religions on the basis of the oneness of a human family, the Temple has numbered amongst its members and supporters such influential world servers as Yu Thant, Eleanor Roosevelt, Thomas Merton, Joelaro Nuru, Anwar El Sadat, S. Radhakrishnan, in addition to the main center in New York, where it is based at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine. The temple has active chapters in India and the UK and representatives in Africa, Latin America, Asia, and the Middle East. The major work of the temple has been a series of influential spiritual summit conferences at which leaders of the major world religions have come together to consider, consider world problems to a spiritual perspective, unquote. 
Although Juliet Hallister died in 2000, the Temple of Understanding continues to produce educational programs, is considered to be the first real interfaith organization, and remains what Eleanor Roosevelt called a spiritual United Nations. What is interesting is that the Temple of Understanding, quote, was the brainchild of a wealthy American woman who had studied comparative religion at Union Theological Seminary in New York. By 1963, it had been sponsored by 6,000 politicians, occultists, celebrities, one-world religion advocates, and multinational companies, including Robert McNamara, then U.S. Secretary of Defense, later head of the World Bank. Financier John D. Rockefeller IV, Dr. Henry A. Smith, President, the Theosophical Society of America, Walter N. Thayer, President, New York Herald Tribune, James Lennon, President, oh, sorry, <laughs> uh, President, New York Herald Tribune, James Lennon, President, Time Life in Company, Milton Mumford, President, Lever Bro Brothers, Barna, Barney Balaban, President, Paramount Pictures, Thomas B. Watson, Jr., President, IBM, Richard Salant, President, CBS News, Cary Grant, Hollywood actor, Dr. Martin Israel, now an Anglican vicar and renowned teacher in the Church of England, the presidents of Egypt, India, Israel, representatives of Methodist, Unitarian, Episcopalian, Spiritualist, Lutheran, and Presbyterian churches, various UN officials, and many others. Yes, this interfaith organization was founded by Mrs. Hollister, who had attended Union Theological Seminary. Even though Hollister attended a theological seminary, she is herself a Shinto. Also listed among one of the founding friends of the Temple of Understanding was S, and I don't, I don't think I can say his name, Radha Hare Krishna, something like that, a Hindu. Please recall that he was one of the past recipients of the Templeton Award when Billy Graham bragged, Quote, I feel today that I am an illustrious company with those who have been past recipients, unquote. Another interfaith organization is the Council for a Parliament of the World's Religion, CPWR. They introduced the 1999 Parliament in a meeting at, where else? Union Theological Seminary in New York. The September 13, 1999 meeting had Native American leaders as well as leaders from Christianity, Baha, Buddhism, etc. Reverend Dr. Joseph H. Um, oh, Joseph C. Hugh, Jr., President of Union Theological Seminary, and the very Reverend James Parks Morton, President of the Interfaith Center, opened the gathering. In 1985, Morton former dean of the Cathedral of St. John the Divine, became president of the Temple of Understanding. Pebbles instead of bread. In chapter 2, we looked at Bishop Pike's involvement with the occult and his denial of the fundamentals of faith. Part of his apostasy may be due to the teaching he received when he went to Union Theological Seminary. Pike told Francis Schaeffer, Quote, when I turned from being agnostic, I went to Union Theological Seminary, eager for and expecting bread. But when I graduated, all that is left, all that it left me was a handful of pebbles. Unquote. 
So much more could be said about Union Theological Seminary, UTS, their presidents and professors. For instance, Donald Woods Shriver Jr. was a professor of Christianity at UTS as well as its president. He is also a member of the Council on Foreign Relations as well as a member of the Board of Trustees for the New Age One World Organization, One World Order Organization, Global Education Associates. Raymond Brown is a liberal Catholic priest who has rejected the Bible's inerrancy and was active in the World Council of Churches. He went to New York's Liberal Union Seminary in 1971 and became its first tenured R.C. Roman Catholic professor. He said, Jesus was not the all-knowing God and was in error, unquote. In spite of such comments, Christianity Today, a magazine founded by Billy Graham, highly recommended books, Brown's book, and said that he provides an excellent synthesis of contemporary New Testament scholarship, unquote. Psychic Phenomena Lawrence Lishan has been a lecturer and research psychologist at Union Theological Seminary and is involved in the examination of parapsychology, the study of psychic phenomena, which is occultic. He has written a book entitled How to Meditate. The inside front cover of this book explains drawing upon the meditational practices of such disciplines as Zen, Sufi, Yoga, and Christian and Jewish mysticism. Lashan describes specific exercises and programs, both structured and unstructured, ranging from breathing counting and simple mantras to group movements and sensory awareness. A practicing psychotherapist, Lashan also explores such intriguing fields as the role of meditation in psychotherapy and the relation of meditation to the paranormal. Many of the men mentioned in this chapter, such as G. Bromley Oxen, Harry Ward, John C. Bennett, Reinhauer, Reinhold Neuer, Jesse Batter, Henry Van Dusen, etc., were members of the World Council of Churches, WCC, and or the National Council of Churches, NCC. In fact, it was during a meeting at Union Theological Seminary in 1894 that a committee was appointed to consider the practicability of organizing a federal council of churches in New York City. Therefore, we need to take a closer look at the WCC and the NCC, which we will do in the next chapter. Remember, too, that several of the liberals and communists covered in this chapter, Van Dusen, Niebuhr, Bonnell, Sackman, and King, have been praised by Graham. And some have even been invited by him to sit on the platform at some of his crusades. How could a true man of God have such poor discernment over and over and over again? Granted, any one of us can slip up and make mistakes. Any one of us could endorse someone and then discover that we should not have done so. However, when one person constantly and consistently endorses liberals and communists, it appears to be far more than a case of poor discernment. Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 6, My people hath been lost sheep, their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. 
The Bible clearly warns in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked with unrighteousness. Oh, together, I'm sorry. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Is Billy Graham a prophet with honor, or is he a wolf in sheep's clothing? And that, brothers and sisters, ends chapter 3. Next time around, we will start in chapter 4. Wow, there's so much, so much. I love you all so very much. I hear Nikki in the background. Not sure if you hear her snoring or not. I don't know if it's picking it up. But I'm going to cut it short. I love you all so very, very much. I just praise God. I praise God. I praise God for all things that he has done, is doing, and will be doing. Because he is faithful and he is gracious. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Your nose in the book, which is the word of God. And embed the word of God upon the tablets of your hearts so you will not sin against God and that you will not be deceived. I love you all so very, very much. Take this to the Lord in prayer. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him for discernment. And ask him to lead you and guide you to begin to search these things out for yourself. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.